For Spurs fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. For match highlights, interviews and the best Tottenham videos and podcasts, download the free Coys app now from the App Store and Google Play. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Come On You Spurs podcast. My name's Dan Tracy and I'll be your host for the next 45 minutes or so as we talk all things Tottenham. Because win or lose, we'll discuss the news. It's three up top this evening, and that means leading the line from the front and wearing the captain's armband is Carl. So, Carl, how have you been this past week? Yeah, good, thanks, Dan. Missing, missing Spurs, obviously, after that last game we've had, um, and finding the international break a little bit tedious, to be honest. But um, looking forward to get going again, and looking forward to having a quick Spurs chat with you guys tonight. Yeah, I mean, it's very, been a very tough international break, probably the toughest one yet. But anyway, we're in a good place to chat all things Tottenham. And joining us again this week is James. James, you were on a scouting trip last week. So how have you been, mate? Yeah, all good. Um, sorry for letting you guys down last week. Obviously, work commitments have to have to pop up every now and then. Um, but it's good to be back. Uh, good to be chatting about Spurs with, with you guys again. Fantastic. And also joining us this week is Abby Grace Summers from the Run of Play podcast. So Abby, I hope you're well and also looking forward to making your debut this evening. I am. Thank you so much for having me on. Very, uh, very excited to be with you guys. Looking forward to talking Tottenham. Fantastic. OK, before we take stock of the season so far and all the other talking points from the last week or so, it's time for the hit segment. Tell us about yourself. So, Abby, you're up this week. It's very quick fire questions, really easy. So are you ready? I'm ready. Fantastic. <laughs> OK, so, Abby, when did you start supporting Tottenham? Uh, I started supporting Tottenham when I was about eight. That was my the, my first game was when I was eight. But uh, my dad grew up in Tottenham, and um, my grandpa always supported them as well. Uh, so yeah, it's always running my family. Okay, so who's your favourite player growing up? Uh, my favourite player growing up. Uh, I mean, back when I was little. I mean, I've got, do you know what? I never really got to see him play much, but I always loved Ava Ginola. Um, I loved Teddy Sheringham. I loved Jermaine Defoe. They were kind of like the ones I loved growing up. Uh, and then obviously as I got older, the Gareth Bales, the Harry Canes, um, all the all the standard ones as I got a bit older. OK, so who's your favourite player in the current squad? Um, oh, it's a tough one. Um, I go back and forth between Son and Kane, but I think probably Kane edges it for me just because he's one of our own. Yeah, I think that's the most popular choice we've had thus far. And also, in terms of your whole sort of Spurs supporting career, who's the one player that you've had a soft spot for, which is a little left field that perhaps doesn't get the love that everyone else sort of would you'd like to think would share. So, you know, a little bit personal love from your point of view, who would that be? Oh, personal love. It can be any in any Tottenham side. Yep. Any Tottenham side. I mean he gets he he does get love, so it's not that left field. But I mean Moussa Dembele was just an unbelievable player for Tottenham. I absolutely loved loved having him in the side and watching him play every week. So um he definitely has a very big soft spot in my heart. <laughs> that's a very strong shout. So, yes, that's it. That's the end of Tell Us About Yourself for this week. Now, let's get the social media bits out of the way first so we can dissect pretty much everything that's happened in the last week and more in full. So, as always, don't forget to subscribe to the Coming You Spurs app where the podcast is available each and every Tuesday morning. You can, of course, follow us across social media. We're on Twitter at CYS underscore COM and we're on all the major audio platforms. That's Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, etc. If we're not on one, let us know. We'll get it on there and we'll all be happy. Right, let's get down to business. And that business, Carl, is seven points from the first 12 on offer. Looking at that, would you say that return is par for the course, considering the four performances that we've had to date? Yeah, I think, you know, I think we can feel slightly disappointed that we haven't got a few more in the bag, um, especially when you look back at, say, the Newcastle game and obviously the way that their equaliser came about, um, the poor performance against Everton in the first game. But other than those two blips, I think we've kind of started reasonably well. 
given, I think, the fears that we kind of had going into the season around the squad, um, the way that we were playing. Obviously, you know, still some mixed feelings around Jose and the sort of football that we were playing under him. So I think, you know, we're sitting there now and it's easy to look from where we are now to a few weeks back um, before, you know, Daniel decided that the checkbook was coming out. Um, and I think you could sit here and say, actually, we, we look in a really good place. And given the squad we've got now, I think there's a real excitement and a buzz around what we can possibly achieve this season that I don't think was there come that first game against Everton. So, James, when we talk of par, the bookmakers had us six favourites at the start of the season before a ball was kicked. We're currently six in the table, so we're matching expectations. But you must remember, those odds would have been compiled before our transfer window closed. So with that in mind, have those expectations now increased? Yeah, I think they have. Um, I think, we, as you say, with the players that we've brought in, um, we've addressed a few issues in the squad that we knew needed needed seeing to. Um, the depth in the squad has, has really improved as well, which means that we'll be able to fight on more than one front in terms of cup and league. Um, but I, I think, yeah, I think people are starting to talk about us in terms of the league, which which is good on one on the one hand and a little bit scary on the other hand. Um, I, I don't know about you guys, but it just makes me think that things might might just go wrong. Uh, maybe it's the Spurs fan pessimist in me that thinks that you know we're we're probably better as underdogs, and and if there are, is more pressure on us, then there's more likely we're more likely to be uh, to be bottlers as as a lot of Arsenal fans would say. Um, but it's you know it's a nice thing to to have your team talks about in those kind of uh, those in that respect in terms of going for the Premier League, uh, and I think you know if the players think it, the manager thinks it, and everyone has that kind of positive mental attitude, then then hopefully we'll you know we'll just keep climbing the table, and, and hopefully we can stay there for for the whole season. It'd be it'd be great, and I feel like we deserve it after the after the couple of years that we've had. So, Abby, the previous week of action, obviously we've been dormant this week, but the week before, it seems to be already a pivotal moment in the season. Clearing the hurdle of Chelsea, getting into the Europa League group stage, the hammering of Man United. There is a sense of optimism. It might be misplaced, you don't know. But for you, has your mindset sort of changed in the last sort of week or two? Are you sort of thinking that it's top four minimum? Do you want to be an underdog? Do you want to be a bona fide contender? What's your stance at present? Um, I, I kind of agree with the guys. It's For, for me, my stance has changed because obviously I, th I think um, James touched on it with Everton. Um, I was very much not looking forward to the season. I didn't see us finishing um, any higher than sixth, actually. I thought that we hadn't really strengthened enough. I didn't think that I, I wasn't really buying into what um, Jose was selling at the time. Um, and obviously the football against Everton didn't really help. And then something kind of changed against Southampton that second half. We suddenly were playing football um, instead of that weird kind of like, you know, route one long ball and just try and hope someone gets on the end of it. Um, and then from that point, we've really kind of like pushed on. We played really, really get, uh, really well against Southampton. Newcastle, we were absolutely robbed. Um, and of course, you know, United getting through um, all those qualifying stages of the, of the Europa League, which, you know, sometimes you'd sit there and think Tottenham might not do that. Um, penalty shootout. So for me, my expectations gone up and up and up, especially as the window progressed as well. Um, and we finally rebuild. We did that massive rebuild that we needed. Pochettino said it, you know, near on a year and a half ago. 
um, before the Champions League final, how much we needed it. And we could see it coming from 2018. We needed to, um, you know, strengthen in the fullback areas. We needed someone, you know, to be behind Kane. We needed to replace Dembele in the field, um, which I think we've done now with Hoiberg. He's, you know, quietly going under the radar, but he's exactly what Tottenham have needed. So, um, you know, it's easy to get carried away and say, oh, we're going to win the league off of like three, four performances. But I think if Tottenham carry on playing the way that we've kind of started, um, and, and as we guys said, uh, with the depth, as well now that we have we have a proper squad now so we can challenge in cups we can challenge in Europe I think you know it's wide open this year I don't think there's anyone that's going to be running away with the title I think City are definitely there's something not quite right with City for me um Liverpool I think defensively even going back to when it was the restart and they came back I wasn't completely convinced on them defensively um and not this season either obviously seeing them concede seven um to Villa and three against Leeds um so I think it's wide open um and I think it kind of bodes well for Tottenham and what Jose's trying to do you can see he's trying to put a mentality in there that probably hasn't been in there so we're not always the bridesmaid and we're not always known as the bottlers so um it's just getting that first trophy. And I think it's really important to go for the Carabao Cup as, you know, everyone writes it off, but it's the earliest and easiest one you can win. Um, and it kind of sets the tone for the season. If you can win that, you get a bit of a boost of confidence at a time where everything's kind of come thick and fast at you and you've got a bit of a big push towards the end of the season. So um, I think for, for me personally, winning a trophy is so important this season. So, Carl, obviously the international break will be behind us in a few days' time, thankfully. First league game we've got after that is West Ham. So is there a slight concern that break halts the progress that we sort of started in this first few weeks? Because if we don't get the better of the Hammers, it almost nullifies all the hard work done at Old Trafford. Yeah, I think obviously, you know, that that was the one fear, wasn't it? You know, the way we started to play, as we say, the Southampton game, um, the Man United game, the Europa League games, and we were just we were looking hot, weren't we? Where you're thinking, well, okay, you know, there's still some, there's still some things we need to do defensively a lot better. Um, but in terms of going forward, you're sitting there thinking, I don't think there's a defence in the country that can deal with our front players when they're on the sort of form they were in. Um, and that was the one fear, wasn't it? You know, suddenly that that momentum kind of breaks for a week or so. Um, you then got the fear of players going away on international duty and possibly picking up niggles. Um, and that, the biggest fear was just that's hope that we just don't have a problem after this break and that these players can come back and get going. I think the West Ham game is probably a good game because obviously we know the history around that game and the competitiveness they'll be there and the edge that they'll be from that derby. Um, so I think, you know, that's a, probably a good thing that works for us because I think there's something to come back and immediately get motivated for. You know, if you were playing, and this is no disrespect to those sort of sides, but maybe Brighton or Burnley, you come back and, and maybe there isn't that. Um, excitement and passion to get going again. Um, so I think this, this West Ham game is going to be a real good timing for us. Um, we'd have to be careful, though, because, you know, they've had a few good results. It seems, you know, when their manager's not there, they're getting good results. So that doesn't bode well for him, does it? Um, but that's hope for us. Uh, we'll just be too strong for them. Like, I think we will. Um, you know, we'll have to watch Antonio. I think he's their real key man for them at the moment. And he is a handful. And that's the one area where I still think this season we're sitting there thinking, could our Achilles heel, especially in a title race, be that defence and possibly leaking too many silly goals? But I'm just hoping, you know, there's been no serious injury news some some players have gone away and done quite well on international duty. So hopefully they come back. The feelings there, you've got the bow factor possibly being around this game. 
you can imagine he'll only start on the bench probably. Um, but that is a buzz there as well, seeing him in the squad. And hopefully we, we continue where we left off because if we do and we continue playing the way we were, then we'll take some stopping, that's for sure. So, James, following West Ham, we've got Burnley, Brighton, West Brom. Now, we shouldn't get too ahead of ourselves and shouldn't really dismiss any opposition, especially with the Premier League being as it is this season. With that said, should we be expecting the maximum 12 points on offer? I think it's greedy of us to say, but I think we should. Yeah, I think if you're looking at the, the calibre of opposition that we've got, um, you know, yes, each team, as uh, as Carl says there, each team's kind of got one player in each, in each side that we, we should maybe be keeping an eye on with West Ham, as it is Antonio. Um, you know, when you come up against Brighton, you want to keep an, an eye on players like Mope and You know, but with, with the team that we've got, we've got more than one player that teams should be keeping an eye on. We've got three or four that, that maybe even five players that will make you sit up and, and watch and, and they're going to have to really, really concentrate for 90 minutes. Otherwise, we are going to run riot. Um, so I think that the issue is is keeping our heads defensively and not letting any uh, any individual errors let you know let us get our heads down and and I think if that mentality kind of creeps in then we might be in trouble but you know we've come come back from one down at United um, and and hopefully the the team's got the mentality to match the the ambition that that has finally been showed because we we have we put a team together we put a squad together. Uh, and if, you, if you're going to put a squad together like that and then drop points to, to teams like West Ham, to, to newly promoted teams like West Brom, then then questions are going to start being asked. But I, I think surely we've got enough attacking firepower to, to put these teams to bed nice and early uh, and then hopefully just see the games out because the games are going to start coming thick and fast again. At the same time, Abby, you get the feeling that 12 points might be necessary when you look at the two fixtures that follow this upcoming quartet, those being Man City and Chelsea. So it might be the ideal opportunity to bank the points. And if we do, we'd be on 19 from eight matches. And if that's the case, we're probably near the very top of the table. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's so important. We've got to go into every game, um, you know, with the mindset that we're going to take all three points. And there is no kind of room for mistake because, as we said, it's so wide open this season that... Um, and, and it's in the Premier League now, kind of anyone can be anyone. So um, it is a case of being switched on. It's a case of when you do have winnable games, um, which, you know, as a team like Tottenham with the squad they have, they should be taking maximum points in all of those games um, before you go into the runs with the games against City and Chelsea. And then I think we've got Arsenal pretty soon after that as well. Um, and with West Ham, it's always a tricky one because we we actually we, we tend to struggle against West Ham when really we shouldn't. I think it's more for the fact that they're always bang up for it because it's their cup final. But um, again, even co- just comparing the two sides, it should really be a no-brainer. So um, I think, as Carl said, you've got to you know, be mindful of the, the defence and mindful of Antonio as well. Um, but I think that he might not be everyone's first choice and he's, he's not particularly mine at centre-back um, in terms of Eric Dyer, but... Jose sees something in him. Um, and I guess, you know, Sanchez has improved quite a lot under him too. So, although it would have been a 10 out of 10 window had they maybe have bought in a centre-half, I think it's something they'll do in January. But I do think it's enough, you know, to kind of make it um, to that January transfer window. And I think it should be enough, you know, to see off West Ham. And um, I think we've got, I can't even think who the fixtures are after, but I'm pretty sure we've got Brighton as well, if I'm not if I'm not wrong. So, got to pick up maximum points before you hit the the top six because our record hasn't been great against the against the top six kind of teams as well. So I've got to pick them up where you can. OK, so let's focus on the transfer window now. And it's always a bit difficult to say a window is X out of 10 
because you only really know the outcome of that further down the line once you can assess players and their actual performances in Tottenham colours. So with that said, Cole, our overall dealings, they couldn't have gone much better, could they? No, I think, you know, this, this I, I can't remember a window where you've come out of it for so long actually going, well, do you know what? You know, you kind of doff your hat to, to the board uh, and what they've done and the way they've kind of backed Jose. You know, we were all saying, you know, we did say, didn't we, that with Jose coming in, you'd like to think there's a plan to back him and bring in the sort of players we need. And I think the recruitment that's been done over the summer window has been sensible. It's been really good. We've got a marquee signing. We've also signed players in positions that we really needed to sign players in. Um, and you have to look now and say the balance of the squad. And I think that's the real key thing here is balance. Because, you know, it's no good signing a couple of players in, you know, it's just a couple of positions and still leaving yourself wide open in other areas. If you look through that squad list now, you've got, you know, two options in every position. Um and you'd have to sit there and say that the two options you got, you would feel confident in either player playing. And, and from what we've seen so far, given those signings, when you look at, say, someone like Aurier and the way he performed at Man United and performed in his last couple of games, you actually start thinking that the signing in Doherty has made him get the bit between his teeth and think, well, hold on, you know, I'm not just going to be brushed aside like this. You know, I'm going to fight for my position. And I think that's the one thing we were always saying at one point we really lacked, which is it's OK having a good 11, but sometimes you need more than that. You need players to know they've got to fight for the shirt. And I think we've got a squad now where players will feel, I need to fight for this shirt and I need to perform because if I don't, You've got a manager that's not going to stick with his favourites week in, week out. If you're not doing it, he'll, he won't be scared to change it. Um, and I think overall, that sort of competition, that just brings with it a sense of urgency, a sense of, you know, just, just betterness all round. And I think we've started seeing that in the last couple of games. And it looks like the squad have got themselves together. They've got the bit between their teeth and they're now raring to go. And it does just show that if you do the right business, then it just sets you off on a good foot. And we have to, you know, Levy gets a lot of stick from a lot of the fan base. Um, and I've been one of them in the past. But after this window, you have to sit there and say, well, I don't think, as Abby said, the only thing we could have possibly wanted, which was then maybe being a little bit greedy, was a centre-half. Um, but other than that, you've got to say it's a 9 out of 10. James, talking of centre-backs, we could still get one, that being Joe Roden from Swansea. So on the basis of what we have... Do you feel personally there's need for an extra addition? Should it be him or should it be a case of waiting to actually improve the squad? Uh, personally, I think if, if Skriniar does want to come in January, then, then that should be the, the signing that we that we hold out for. Um, I think in terms of that that kind of ball playing centre back, I think you know if getting rid of one Foyt and then bringing in Joe Rodon wouldn't really make much sense if, if you ask me. What you know what could they have possibly seen? In Joe Rodon that that they weren't seeing in Foyth really because I think in it, yeah he made a few mistakes when he was given chances but I think there was a player there that, that we can certainly use and I, I know it was a bit of a funny one um, Juan Foyth because he he's obviously gone on loan to Villarreal um, but he kind of kind of said goodbye on Twitter didn't he in in a, in a weird kind of like he was never going to come back to Tottenham kind of way so that one might be dead. Um, but if we're gonna, yeah, if we're gonna develop someone, a young centre back, why why couldn't it be him rather than rather than this new lad? I, I, I won't lie to you, 
done. I haven't seen a lot of of this lad, this you know Joe Rodon. I haven't seen a lot of him, um, so I'm I'm not really best placed to to speak on whether whether he'd be a good fit for the squad or not. From what I understand, he's one of you know one of these ball playing centre halves that that seem to be the fashion nowadays. Um, but I just don't see why why we'd get rid of one to bring in another one. Maybe maybe there's some kind of reason behind it, but I, I can't see it myself. Um, it's one of them. If if the club see fit to bring him in, then bring him in and I'll, I'll support him. Um, however, I, I'm not really sure what went what went wrong with with Foyth and, and why that that hasn't seemed to work out because he you know he didn't really get a chance under Poch, didn't really get a chance under Mourinho either. So uh, I'm not too sure. But again, if if the club want to bring him in, then then I'll support him wholeheartedly. And uh, and you never know, he might turn out to be our next our next superstar. And Abby, talking of Welsh internationals, we of course have to mention Gareth Bale. So his return is set for this weekend. The hope is he'll hit the ground running and sort of add to an attack line which is already firing on all cylinders. But what's the realistic expectation? Oh, I mean, it can't hurt to have Gareth Bale in your side. Um, no, no. I mean, there's, <laughs> there's lots of people that sit there and say, oh, well, he might not be at his best and whatever. But I mean, there's nothing wrong with the guy. He's just been out of favour at a club he fell out with, you know, a manager he fell out with and a club he was unappreciated at. His talent is still there. And he's only 31. People say, oh, he's 31, but so is Aubameyang. And yet they sit and rave about him. So um, he can bring so much to this Tottenham team. I mean, just even from a, you know, a winning mentality perspective, he's gone off and won it all. Um, and just he's still an outstanding player. And putting him in the side, you know, alongside Harry Kane, alongside him, Minton, I mean, if I was a defender... In any team, you'd be thinking, oh, my God, that front three coming towards you. There's not much better than that. Um, so I don't know, obviously, if he'll come off the bench. I don't know if he'll start. I guess if he's fit, I'd start him. It's a bit of a no-brainer for me personally. Um, and I'm just I'm just so excited to have him back. I, I hope we can just back in the stadium soon and be able to actually see him playing how he used to. Because even if you get, you know, like he said, 70% of Gareth Bale, I mean, that's pretty good odds to have in your side. And he can play, he, he's openly said he can play anywhere, left, right, in the middle. So it's just another option for Tottenham to have. And, you know, when you look again, coming back to depth and stuff, you've got people coming off the bench. I always feel Lucas Moura is far better coming off the bench than starting anyway. Um, so that's another good impact for me um, and for Tottenham. Same with Eric Lamella, same with Stephen Bergwijn. We've got so many options, but just, you know, having that front three and if they if they stay fit all season, I mean, that's just going to be huge for Tottenham. If they stay fit, you know, the, the limits to just, why not go for the Premier League if they can all stay fit and we carry on playing how we are? Um, because that's a, a good enough front three and squad to challenge. Absolutely. Without a doubt. Absolutely. And of course, Carl, this is now an attack line, which includes another centre forward. And although we've had our fingers burnt in this department before, one hopes we've finally got the backup, or shall we say, additional firepower that we've been craving for for years. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it's been long overdue, isn't it, Dan? Um, you know, it, we've all know, we've all known it's been needed, um, and obviously, it's the one thing that we've never seen to got. You know, and always just been relying on people like uh, Son and Mora to step up when when time's been needed. Um, and sometimes they've filled that role really well, but you do just need that other option. Um, and it looks like now we've got a player, you know, I, I've got an Benfica fan at work 
um, and, you know, asked him about this guy straight away. And he kind of said, look, listen, I think you've got yourself a good player there and someone who'll adapt quite quickly and prove really useful to you. Um, and I'm kind of trusting him on that because he kind of was laughing in the fact that we took Gedson off them a little while ago. Well, I was going to ask you about that in a minute, actually. So. <laughs> yeah, he was constantly messaging me saying, please pay us 50 million for Gedson because we can't believe our luck here. Um, so yeah, he seems really confident that this guy could do a really good job for us. And it is nice just to finally have that option where if we want to suddenly go two up top, if we suddenly want Kane to drop a little bit deeper, um, and when you consider his passing this season, that is a that is an option that we could seriously look at this season. Um, but it's nice as well just to have someone that in the games where you think, well, okay, Harry we'd like to give you a rest this week because we've got bigger games coming. We've finally got another focal point up there that we can call upon and take the pressure off of, of Harry. And hopefully we'll see that pay, you know, dividends come the middle part and end of the season, because that does seem to be the part of the, you know, the time of the year where Harry suddenly that strain on his body from playing week in week out takes its toll and we then lose him. So yeah, I, I think, you know, again, as you say, job well done. They got the players we needed in the positions. You know, we just have to hope this guy can come and adapt and, you know, he can fulfil the sort of potential that we've obviously seen in him. Now, James, I must admit, I've been reduced to YouTube clips like many others, so I cannot pretend my Portuguese Liga knowledge is as sharp as it once was. However, if we're looking purely at top-line numbers, he's certainly not one to turn your nose up at, is he? Yeah, and I think we said this all along. Like We, we wanted a, a, a second-team striker or a backup striker, however you want to call it, um, to to take the pressure off Harry, like Carl says, but also we wanted someone who, who wasn't just there to make up the numbers and, and just give Harry a rest. We want someone who's going to be able to score goals in, when Harry isn't playing and someone that might even be good enough that they put the pressure on Harry to, to perform you know, in, in the games that he does start. Um, you, you never know. I mean, the, the whole reason Harry came was, was so good to start with was because I believe he, he saw an opportunity to, to become our, our, our centre-forward. You know, when we had Soldado and Adibayor who just weren't weren't cutting the mustard, you, you know, he saw that chance to take that first team spot, and it really pushed him on. Um, Vinicius, he, he, you know, hopefully he's not coming to the club thinking that he's gonna, he's he's just there to make up the numbers and give Harry a rest. He he's coming to the club to score goals and try and nail down a, a first team spot himself. Uh, so yeah, it's it's really great to have competition, and we've already seen what having healthy competition around the squad can do. You know, you guys mentioned about Serge Aurier against United. He was absolutely brilliant. Uh, and that's, you know, that's having another right back at the club, another senior right back at the club who's who's put pressure on him for, for his place. Um, you know, same, same again at left back. Ben Davis came on and, and had a great little cameo against against United. And, and you've, you've only got to think that that's because he's got someone who's, who's pushing him for his place. So elsewhere in the squad, hopefully it will have the same effect. And, and also, hopefully Vinicius can can do the business uh, you know when he is on the pitch rather than rather than just uh, just holding the place for Harry which means Abby when exactly will our new man get his minutes at what point does Mourinho say to Harry Kane look I know you want to play every minute but you are going to have to sit some of these out it won't be the toughest conversation but it might not be the easiest one either I don't know I mean I don't know if this weekend's too soon to to see him come on um, I mean obviously there's been talk that Harry Kane had a slight 
um, muscle thing this week with England. I mean, we saw him come on last night, but it might just, you know, sometimes when he's feeling it a little bit and the games that he's always had to come on and play and he might be feeling a bit of a niggle, it's just nice to have that option. So maybe we'll see. I mean, Harry Kane's kind of developed himself into this new role where he's assisting everyone. And I mean, some of the balls he puts on a plate for people are just a joke. So um, it might be a case that they, you know, play together and Harry Kane stays in that slightly deeper role and is feeding up to him and getting the assist. So, um, I don't know when, when he'll come on or, or what minute and stuff like that. I think um, we'll see him start more. I think maybe in the in the coming weeks against West Brom or against Burnley, um, he might even... I wouldn't say he'd start the game because obviously if Kane's you know, fit and ready, you never drop Harry Kane. But um, I think we'll definitely see what he's about. And I don't believe he would have come to the club thinking he's just going to sit and warm, uh, warm the bench. I think that he knows that he's also got a job to do. And I, th- I get the feeling that everyone kind of knows what their role is and they, they all know they've got a job to do if they want to win trophies now under Mourinho. I feel like he's really instilling that in them, that he's not really taking anyone as passengers. I think we've kind of seen it with Deli Ali, and, you know, no one's even really mentioning Deli Ali at the minute after the whole, you know, who has, has he been dropped and whatever. I think that he's, he's looking for, for leaders in that side. He's looking for people that are hungry and he's building that side that he wants to go and win trophies. So whenever he does feature and when he does come on, I'm, I'm looking forward to see what he's about. I've, I've never seen him play, but I've heard good things so far. Um, and it's just nice to have that option. Uh, like the guy said, you don't always want to be reliant on Kane um, when Kane's out the side to be reliant on Lucas Moura or Bergwin or Son. So to have someone that's actually an out and out striker and people think he's pretty good, I mean, can only be a good thing for Tottenham. Absolutely. So, Carl, this is a loan deal with a view to buying. The same sort of setup as our good friend Gedson Fernandez. So, you just mentioned your work colleague, not too hot, a bit surprised that we've got him. It doesn't look like we're going to keep him, does it? No, I mean, you know, you know, unfortunately, I don't think we've seen enough that makes you kind of think, well, yeah, this is a guy I'd invest the sort of money we're talking about in. Um, you know, doesn't seem to have a nailed down position currently that he's making his own. Um, and to be honest, from what I have seen when he's there, I think we've got other players that can do that sort of job without having to lay out the sort of money we're going to have to. And as I say, you know, you know, this guy said to me that, you know, Benfica really sitting there and most of their fans are scratching their head thinking, well, he'd really dropped off the radar for them, to be honest. So they kind of were thinking, well, if he wasn't really good enough for us, I don't see how he's going to go there and kind of suddenly set the world alight and be good enough for a club of a club of our stature. Um, and like I say, they were sitting there and thinking, well, if we get 50 million for this guy, we've had a right result. So, yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. I think, you know, we'll probably see that when, when the end of that loan comes, he'll just go back um, and we'll say, you know, you know, thanks for coming. Thanks for filling a role for us. Um, but no thanks. So, James, admittedly, not every club's going to get every deal bang on. There's going to be some that fall by the wayside, that are busts, that kind of stuff. So, I think you have to put this one down to bad recruitment. There's no doubt about that. But, at the same time, can you try and take a stab into the mindset of why we got him in the first place? I think, yeah, I mean, he's a, he's a young player coming from abroad. It's, it's normal for us to get excited about that because it's kind of, it's kind of historically something that we've we've worked out quite well in the past. Um, you know, when you bring in a 21-year-old foreign talent with a bit of flair, you think, oh man, he's, he's going to grow into something incredible. Um, but it was also, it, it was a bit of a head, head scratcher at the time. And, you know, when the, when the number, the, the transfer fee at the end of the, the loan gets banded about, it makes it all the more unbelievable because, you know, at the moment he's not even making squads. He's, 
he we signed him in a position where we were one of the few positions that we're probably relatively well stocked in at the time um and at a, t- at a time when we were absolutely screaming out for, for players in other positions, you know, full-backs, maybe a centre-back, a holding midfielder at, at the time. Um, and and we just didn't need this kind of box-to-box young midfielder to come in, and, you know, at a time where players like Winks and Skip uh, are doing a, a similar job. So it was a bit of a confusing one. Then we tried to shoehorn him in at right-back for, for a couple of games, thinking that he might be the saviour there, um, which he obviously wasn't. Um, I think he'll probably he'll probably be a good player for someone, um, maybe not in the Premier League, but somewhere he he will make a good footballer, and uh, and I'm sure he'll make a very good career of himself. But it it just won't be at Tottenham, or hopefully it won't be at Tottenham, because if we're we're spending that kind of money on a player that we don't need, then I I, I kind of give up. Um, but I'm sure we won't, and you know I, I, he hasn't quite left yet, but I wish him all the well for the future because I can't really think when we're going to get to see him. Even with all the games that we've got this season, um, I, I still don't think he'll get he'll get many, if any, minutes because I just don't really see where he fits in. Uh, he's not kind of creative enough to, to fit in that creative midfield role. Uh, he's he's probably not physical enough to, to play uh, in, a, in a box-to-box or, or in front of the back four. So I'm not really sure where he fits in. But he'll he'll make a good squad player for a club somewhere in Europe, I'm sure. Of course, Abby, there's almost a bit of a, how should we say, ironic karma for Gedson because he turned down West Ham in the pursuit of European football. But with, with the Europa League squad being announced, he won't be getting that for us either. <laughs> He's probably more suited to West Ham, to be fair. <laughs> um, I feel like we've you know tried to play him in about 10 different positions and none of them have quite worked out. Uh, it's a shame for the guy because you know whenever you sign a player, you want him to do well. Um, but I, I just, I just don't think even in the first, you know, kind of one or two appearances, we we as fans saw anything from him. Um, but then it does beg the question: as who's kind of signed that off? What did Jose see in it? Was it not Jose's decision? Who, you know, was that a Steve Hitchin one and Daniel Levy one? Because um, I mean, I thought it was a, I thought it was a year and a half contract um, loan. Hopefully, it's just a year, but. Um, it's it's an odd one. It's a very odd signing, and I think that you know. Then even, I know it was a January one, but there must have been better options for Tottenham at the time because all of a sudden we've popped up and we're we're happy to open the checkbook and I guess sign and give wages out to everyone. So just begs the question: Why in January? Why didn't we go and, and get someone that was, had a little bit more pedigree? I always I always think if we're linked with someone that also West Ham fancy, I don't always know if it's a good thing. <laughs> Yes, it's a very good point, actually. Approach with caution, I think we should say. So, Cole, Mm -hmm. he and Danny Rose are two outfield players that won't be in the Europa League squad for this season. The former, well, actually, no, neither is a surprise, really. In terms of Danny Rose, could you see him going to a championship club before their window closes? Um, I I guess the only thing you could look at, potentially, is whether the Watford thing could come around again for him. Yeah, good point. Um, Or, you know, possibly somewhere like Bournemouth. Um, who might look and think, well, you know, that sort of experience um, could be valuable. You know, if you look at the documentary, I believe Bournemouth were possibly looking at him at the end of last season. So, you know, I think for Danny's sake, um, if he gets a good enough offer, it would probably be the best thing to do because obviously, you know, everything's turned a little bit sour. You know, he was a great servant and when he was having his best years, he was probably one of the best fullbacks in the country. Um, but obviously, you know, some injuries have taken its toll and it's quite clear now that he's not going to get back in the squad. Um, he's not going to get any game time. 
So I guess we just have to see whether he's going to be stubborn now and sit, just think, well, I'll just sit here and see out my contract um, and then move on a free, or whether he's got that desire to play football again. I just think if he gets the right offer, he might go. But I still think there's possibly a little bit of stubbornness in him that thinks I'm not going to go just to say a team where that might be making the numbers up in the championship. I think if he feels a side come in for him that have got a chance of getting promotion, then he, he'll take the jump. Um, but I just think now is the right time for all parties just to say, you know, look, thanks. You, you, have, you know, you did us proud. You're a great servant. But the time has come just to move on. And to be honest, if he wasn't to go, Dan, I would possibly then even look about, you know, the option of why don't just pay the guy his contract up and just terminate everything there and then and then let him be a free agent and, and do what he wants from that point. Because the only issue with him staying around um, the squad and, and the club is the attitude and possibly the negativity that might come with, with him sitting there um, not as a happy bunny because, as we've seen, he's not someone who's just who, who will just sit there and just stay quiet. He's quite vocal, and that might be the sort of headache that you don't want around the place. Yeah, it's a very good point. What price do you put on a bad apple? You know, it only takes one sort of toxic behaviour to sort of bring the morale of a squad down. So you might just sort of think, actually, just cut our losses, move or no move. James, another man, actually, who's not going to be in the Europa League is Paolo Gazaniga. A bit of a surprise, but at the same time, a goalkeeper is probably the one position you can get away with not necessarily having three big names in your squad. Yeah, I think I, I said it on the pod a couple of weeks ago. Um, I, I rate Gazaniga higher than Joe Hart as as a goalkeeper, but Joe Hart probably has more uh, more to offer in terms of the actual squad. You know, we talk about captains on and off the pitch, and Joe Hart's probably one of those. Um, he's probably got more more experience, more valuable experience, especially if we're you know going to places in Europe. Joe Hart has, has done that probably more than than Gazaniga. Um, I feel a bit sorry for Gazaniga because he, you know, he deputised quite well for for us, um, and then you know just had a couple of couple of mad mad games really. You know that the, the karate kick against Chelsea, um, a, a bit of a flap in the in the Norwich game, and, and and that was kind of the end of it. And then he's he's been the only person to have suffered from the incredible form that Hugo Lloris has been in since since coming coming back from injury. You know, in that in that year since he's since he kind of snapped his own arm off. Hugo Lloris has, has come back and he's been probably one of our best performers, most consistent performers. Uh, and that has meant that Gazaniga hasn't really got a sniff even in, in the cup competitions. And, and now, obviously, we've got Joe Hart and, and Mourinho sees him more of, of, as his number two. So I'm, I was a bit surprised that Gazaniga didn't leave on a, 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 for, a, for a fee during, during the window. I feel like he could have done a, done a job for maybe one of the promoted sides if they were sniffing around for a goalkeeper. Um, but I feel like in January he'll, he'll probably be be off, especially as he's been left out of the squad, as you say. And you'd say that, that that probably would have been his chance for minutes, would have been in the Europa League. Uh, and if he's been out, left out of the squad, then that's a clear indicator of how, how Jose feels about him. Which which is a shame because, as I say, he's served the club club well. But, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a lot of players that, you know, Pochettino said about the painful rebuild and there's, there's, I think there's going to be a few more from that kind of generation that we're going to have to just cut ties with and 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 uh, yeah end that relationship just just like Danny Rose. Um, but you know it's it's all about moving forward and and we've got a, I say we've got a great squad so it's hard to complain at the moment. Abby, there were rumours on deadline day that Liverpool were eyeing up a transfer for Gazaniga after Adrian's dreadful performance at Villa Park. 
how glad are you that that didn't come to fruition? Because you sort of think to yourself, yes, you'd like Gazniga to get minutes, but you don't really want him going up the chain and strengthening a direct rival. No, definitely not. I mean, if he's going to go, um, you know, I, I think like uh, like the guy said, I think I would much rather him go to a promoted club or someone further down. I don't think we should be looking to strengthen anyone around us. Um, I find it quite odd that Chelsea tend to, you know, give their players they don't want anymore to Arsenal, but I still think they can do a job sometimes. Um, so I, I personally don't think it would have been a good move for us um, selling into Liverpool. And, you know, I'm quite happy that we, we didn't do that because... Um, I mean, obviously, Adrian is nothing compared to Alisson. I think we, we're all aware of that and we've all seen it. So you take a few players out of that Liverpool side um, and you take the spine out of their team. They're not the Liverpool we've all come to come to know. So I wouldn't want to be giving anyone an opportunity to, you know, kind of strengthen and it come back to bite us. Um, but it is a shame. Um, you know, he's been a good servant. Um, but I, I think with bringing in Joe Hart, it's another character in the dressing room. He's He's won so many things. He's, uh, despite his spells at West Ham and at Burnley, he, he is a good goalkeeper. And I think it's just a little bit more shored up in that position because obviously we've had Michelle Vaughan there as, as well in and out for a long time. And I, I don't think he's been anywhere near, you know, his Swansea days for a very long time either. So we definitely needed to get that one out the door. And as much as we all like Gazaniga, he is a number two. He's always been happy being a number two or, you know, even a number three at, at times as well. So... I think it was a good move to bring Joe Hart in and it's just another voice um, in the dressing room and someone else that's a leader. With that said, Carl, there were a number of outgoings in the window, one of those being Ryan Sessegnon. So I said we talked about him a couple of weeks ago, but we're so busy, I forgot. Now's our opportunity, though. He'll join a litany of starlets who are going to have a loan spell in the Bundesliga, one that hopefully benefits us in the long term. Yeah, I think this is the right move. You know, again, I think Sessignon is one of those players that, you know, we brought him and obviously there was there was quite a lot of hype around him. Um, you know, initially haven't been that impressed with him the, the few times we've seen him play for us now. But obviously you accept he's a young player learning the trade. Um, and I think one of the good things we've done this time, because I, I do think it was a mistake in the Pochi era that we probably has held us back slightly, is not giving these young players loans to give them first team experience. So rather than having him sit around the squad, if you like, just gathering dust, then let's get them out there. Let's get them playing. And, you know, I just think as well, you know, you've got to give credit to him for moving abroad because that couldn't have been an easy decision to make for a young lad. So, you know, you have to say fair play to him. He's gone abroad. Um, and I think that experience can only do him good. And let's hope that, you know, in a year or so's time, he comes back a much better player. Because, again, if he can fulfil the early potential that was seen in him, then that could just, you know, make us stronger. And that left side could be really impressive if you've got the likes of him and the sort of players we've got on that side right now. So, yeah, I think that's a great loan. And that's hope he benefits from that. James, it was certainly interesting to hear that Mourinho's influence was a part of this deal. Well, reportedly, anyway. He said that he demanded that Sessegnon joins a club that operates with a left wing back that would obviously allow a smooth transition on paper in terms of going from one club to another. With that in mind, does that suggest plenty of minutes in Germany? Hopefully, you know, I was reading into a couple of these loan deals um, over the over the summer and over the summer over the transfer window, and and uh, it seems that there seems to be clauses in them. You know, we want we want a certain amount of games to be to be played for the, for the loan fees to be paid and and so on and so forth. Um, so it, you know, it'd be great to hear that that Sessignon is actually playing in, in a preferred position over there as well, because so many of these loan deals seem to seem to happen, and then the players never 
actually get minutes and they never seem to develop at all. So in that case, they might as well be at the club training with the players. It also It's also interesting that he wants them to play left wing back as well. So maybe it means that we can see, we might be seeing Tottenham move, move to a, a five at the back at, at some point. Um, or maybe it's just another option that Jose wants to explore because, I mean, if you look at the players that we brought in, it certainly looks like he, he might want that as an option. Um, Doherty and, and Reguilón, can, you can definitely see them as, as wing-backs. So, um, yeah, I think it's a good move for, for Sessegnon. I think if you look at the, the track record of, of players going over to, to Germany and doing well, um, Obviously, you've obviously got players like Jadon Sancho, even even players like Reese Nelson, who who have done quite well over there. So, hopefully, you can follow that same trajectory, and hopefully, he comes back to to Spurs hungry to to make a first team place his own. Uh, and if we've got two, you know, we look look ahead two or three seasons, and we've got two left backs or two left wing backs, which are Reguilón and Sessegnon, then you know that that that's a real that's a real statement to the rest of the Premier League that we've got two fullbacks who. Uh, who've really got loads of potential, uh, a lot of flair, and and really could be great players. And Abby, talking of that trajectory, could you see him sort of, I guess, masking a similar route like Gareth Bale, where starts at left back, works his way further and further up the pitch, and next thing you know, he's a sort of attacking forward. So, can you see that sort of thing happening with Sessegnon? Is this season going to be pivotal for that to happen, or will he be just like a left wing back and nothing more? Uh, I think I, I remember some uh, some of my friends that support Fulham said they actually quite liked seeing him in that you know further forward role when he was at the club. Um, he's still really young and he's got a lot of potential. I know that we haven't really seen that much of him, but going on loan, he, he's going to get game time finally again because um, he kind of went from having all that game time and experience with Fulham and then kind of got cut short the last year or so. So kind of be a good thing going out on loan, which I, I always think for, for young players is definitely better than sitting there or playing in the, in, in the under-23s or the reserves. So um, for me, I think it's a possibility. It's another attacking option. When you've got that amount of pace um, in a player, if you can utilise them further up the pitch, then it's always a good thing to have playing them at fullback or, you know, as, as a winger. So it's, it's a good option for Tottenham and I think it's something that we'll see further down the line. But I mean, God, there's a lot of pace in, in those sides, uh, down, down both fullback sides, which I think we've really lacked, obviously, since the, since the days of Walker and Rose uh, at their peak. So it's good to have that back in the side. And um, hopefully after his, his loan spell, defensively, he'll be a little bit shored up as well. Um, and it, it'll be just a good option for us to either, you know, play him further forward or, or have him at fullback. Well, you'd like to think that if he does come back off a good season at Hoffenheim, then with his sort of more dynamic play that he'll learn in Germany, he could be a better foil or a better backup for Regulion because Davis, he'll always give you six out of ten. He's always solid. And yes, he's getting better going forward, but what we're trying to sort of play now doesn't really suit Davis. So there could be logic in Davis coming inside and then you sort of your backup left back is Sessegnon. But I guess we're getting a bit ahead of ourselves. There's a lot more football to be played for that to happen. Talking of football to be played, Cole, how does £14.95 sound for you to watch it on your telly when Spurs are picked by Sky or BT? Have the powers that be scored a massive own goal here? Yeah, massive, massively. Um, I think all it's going to do is, is make more of us suddenly turn to streaming services um, to get our fix because 
when you consider the amount of money that people are paying already at the moment for a number of subscriptions to watch them football, then asking everyone to fork out another fifteen pound, in my opinion, for, for you know for pay per view games, um, is just pushing. You know, is, is kind of going to be the straw that could break the camel's back in terms of what people are prepared to do to watch their football. Um, they just never seem to get these sort of things right, do they? When when they look at it, um, you just wonder if they actually talk to supporter bases and and actually decide let's get together with these people and see what the best thing to do is um but like i say i can't see many people doing it and all it encourages is it does just encourage the illegal streaming of sporting events because when, when you're asking people to pay 15 pound when we're going through what everyone's going through in the current climate you know people losing their jobs left right and center um i think it is a step too far so a massive own goal um there will still be people prepared to pay it of course but i think this is where all supporters really need to come together and work together and we can kind of force some change the way that say german fans do um out there and the way that they all get together to stop certain things that they try to push through there so it'd be nice to see everyone come together uh, and try to get this change but it is a bit of a you know you can't believe they've done it and I can't see many people paying to watch those games. So, James, if we compare ourselves to someone like Burnley or Sheffield United, and no disrespect to them, although they won't be listening to this show, I don't think, um, we won't be on those pay-per-view screenings as much because we're a bigger club and we'll have more traditional picks via Sky or BT. That said, it's still £14.95 too much, really, isn't it? Yeah, and I, I'm, I'm the same as Carl. I'm a bit baffled, really, because I think they really, they've really missed the trick here. I think if, if they made it a fiver... To, to watch the game you'd get everyone who usually goes and watches a stream I'm, I'm talking myself included here I usually go and watch a stream and you know the stream can cut out, cut out it can go down and for, for a fiver to not go through that hassle and know that you're going to watch a good quality game with maybe good quality commentators rather than you know someone that you don't want to listen to then I'd, I'd do it every time well maybe not every time but I'd, I'd, I would do it you know, you're talking to a guy who signed up to Watford TV and paid a fiver to watch our pre-season friendly. And, that's commitment. Uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago, you know, that's... I, and if I'm willing to do that, then I'm, of course I'm willing to pay a fiver to not mess around with streams and, and not have to close a thousand pop-up adverts. You know, whenever I go and watch a stream, a Tottenham stream, I get the missus looking over my shoulder because there's those adverts, you know, local girls in your area. And I figured, no, it's just a stream, sorry. Um, but, you know, I... I if it was a fiver, I'd do it. And I know in this current climate, as Carl says, people are getting laid off. People, uh, you know, people are on furlough. People just don't have the money to to be throwing at things like that. And the government missed a massive, massive opportunity here to just give everyone that boost. And and you know, Sky could have just given everyone a, a nice boost that they that uh, the world isn't isn't great at the moment. A lot of people are struggling, and they could have just helped out a little bit and, and just boosted the morale of the country by letting them watch their football team. It's such a simple thing that people get such a massive lift out of, but, you know, knowing that their team is on the TV and being able to watch the team that they love so much. And, you know, again, they've, as Carl says, they've completely messed it up and, and it almost makes you wonder who, who does, who does make this decision. It's, it's must be someone living on cloud nine because it's certainly not anyone who, who has spoken to a, a working class supporter, or, or even asked a working class supporter, what what would they, you know, what would they pay to watch their team? 
The thing is, Abby, football fans are loyal to a team, almost too loyal, and this will be a big test of loyalty. Now, if people aren't prevalent to streaming and they think, OK, I really want to watch the game and my mate wants to watch the game as well, let's half it or let's get three people in, a fiver each, that's great, but it only exacerbates the health issues that are among us at present. Oh, 100%. Totally in agreement with the guys. It's just they really have missed the mark totally. And if it was a little bit cheaper, you would get more people. Uh, you know, as James as, as James said, like, you'd get far more people involved in it. But for, same with me. I'd always go and opt for a stream. And yes, you do get the annoying pop-outs. Yes, the stream goes up and down. But I'm not going to pay, you know, near on 15 quid every time I want to watch my team play. Um, and then again, it just drives more people. Are they going to go to the pubs? It brings up the whole COVID issue. So if they want people to try and, you know, as much as they want them to go to the pub, they're half telling you, don't go to the pub, stay indoors, this and that. So would have just made it a lot more easier, especially over the winter months if you know they're a bit more mindful of the position that people are in um and also just was a bit smarter as well because you're charging that every game i mean i, I just can't see my myself and lots of other people doing it either you want to watch a team but it, it's just a bit of a rip-off let's say you know you've got two games a week or something like that in, in an odd context you know you just you just don't want to be doing it even even in the europa league when it was on that premier sports I just thought, well, you know, I'd seen people paying for it and then, the, you know, they weren't even getting, being able to watch the game. And then they should have just gone for the stream in the first place. Um, but I don't know. I, I just think the government have got that all wrong. But I guess it's not the first thing they've got wrong lately. So can't can't really say I'm surprised. No, no, of course not. But, Cole, I know the THST played a big part in making every game available in that first four weeks. You know, the individual slots, making sure that all games were not free, but at least viewable. With that said, is the best we can hope for now a climb down in terms of price reduction? Do you reckon there's any more wiggle room or is this one set in stone? I guess, as I say, I think the, the only thing people could hope for is a climb down in the price. But again, that's this that same old argument before, isn't it? Where everyone needs to come together and everyone would need to mass boycott. Um, watching any games because that would be the only way that these companies would sit there and suddenly go, well, yeah, hang on, maybe we've got a problem on our hand. As we've said, the trouble is, unfortunately, there will be enough people out there who will pay that money to watch their side because everyone wants to see their team. You know, there might be someone who who might want to start watching a stream, but then if that drops too often, they will then take the lump and just take the hit and pay the money. Um, I yeah, you just hope that I think the most we can hope for is a reduction. I don't think you're going to see this idea scrapped at all. Um, but you will need to see people possibly one day come together. Um, like I say, as one, forget all club ties and just say, look, we're doing this for all fans. We're going to make a stand. Hopefully, you know, if no one was to watch the game, they'd know they've done the wrong thing and changed their mind. But I can't see it happening but that's just hope someone says, listen, come on, that's lower the price a little bit. And at least if they put it at a tenner, maybe, as much as that's still probably too high, at least you might then have more people say, well, actually, OK, I can do a tenner, um, you know, maybe a couple of times to finally get to see the game that I'm not going to be able to go to the ground and see. Um, but it, it's just wrong. And, and like I say, given the current climate that we're all in, um, you just get the power that this is just a more of a money grab from, from people that they know will pay the money um, when they possibly can't even afford it. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's sad, unfortunately, but I think the lowering of the fee is, is the most we can hope for. 
Right, before we get onto the prediction, I just want to say this podcast does not condone illegal streaming. Wink, wink. Um, right, we got out of the way. The legal team are going to be fine with that one. So now let's do the prediction. It's West Ham at the weekend. Abby, you're up first. What have you got for me? What's the score going to be? Oh, um, I'm going three-one Tottenham. I think big. that we'll probably, I think we'll probably concede. But um, I mean, Harry Kane and Hummingson are just on fire, and I mean, if you're adding Bale into that mixture as well. It's just, it's just going to be goals, goals, goals galore. So um, yeah, three-one Tottenham. I like it, James. What about yourself, mate? Yeah, I'm going to go big as well. I think we're, we're going to have way too much for for their defence. So I, I'm going to go for three nil Tottenham. Okay, and you, Cole. I think we have to try and give up these predictions at the moment, the way these games are going, don't they? Um, it could be anything. Pick a number. I'll tell you what, I'm, I'm going to go for us to carry on the goal-scoring theme, and I'm, I'm going to go 4-1. Go really big. OK, I'm going to temper the mood slightly. I think David Moyes' Zoom call might just uh, make it more of a challenge, but I think we'll win 2-0. Just a little bit of international ring rust but we'll, once we burn that off we'll be flying so I think all across the board wins for all and I think yeah we'll beat the Hammers quite simply so that is full time I just need to do the admin before we wrap up for tonight Abby a sterling debut I hope you enjoyed that and hopefully you'd like to come back on the show later in the season yeah absolutely um, been a pleasure thanks so much for having me on look forward to it again next time no problem James thanks for patrolling the middle of the park this evening always a pleasure and same again next week thanks very much Dan Top man. And Carl, thanks for running the channels yourself, mate. No problem. Really enjoyed this one tonight, guys, and look forward to it after the West Ham game. And, and hopefully we've got a win against them to celebrate. Indeed. Right. So with that said, it just leaves me to say that my name's Dan Tracy. And as always, come on, you Spurs. For Spurs fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. For match highlights, interviews and the best Tottenham videos and podcasts, download the free Coys app now from the App Store and Google Play.